Church family, church family, my beautiful church family. Yes, thank you so much. First of all, I have to let everybody know, man, we just feel so loved with all of your emails, all of your text messages, those that have our personal information that have just been reaching out to us to see how have we been holding up during Tropical Storm Beta. And I mean, listen, this, this 2020 calendar year is just cray cray. It's just absolutely cray-cray, and um, there was some flooding in our city on Tuesday, and some still on Wednesday, and also Monday, and so uh, I told the wife, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to handle this in a place where everybody can be safe by the grace of God, and we still going to give you this word. We still going to give you this meat, so I need you to go ahead and take your screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world, and I firmly believe that we have a word on tonight that has been customized by heaven just for you. So I'm excited. If you would, uh, would you turn your Bible to Luke chapter 7? Luke chapter 7, the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read just a few passages of Scripture for the time that we have together on tonight as we are continuing this World War Me series. It's about to come to an end, and we're about to start a brand new series called Cuffin Season. That one right there is going to be fire. But anyway, Luke chapter 7, verse 11, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin that were carrying him, and the barrier stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. Then the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Our clause of concern and where we're going to have camp on tonight takes residence in verse 15. Then the dead man sat up and began to talk. God, you're so awesome. You're so marvelous. Would you please use this word as a surgical operation to provide hope to anybody who's listening to this message who has ever felt like giving up? And as my usual request, oh God, anoint me to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven, your spokesman, in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. 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 The dead man sat up and began to talk. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who's joining me on tonight for this time that we have together, this particular biblical passage is so potent, is so powerful, and it could just flat out preach. Yeah, this, this particular passage is loaded with preaching potential because I believe there are two types of people. We have two sectors of people who are watching this message on tonight. We have type A. These are the individuals who think they have arrived. 
These are the individuals that carry themselves as holier than thou. <laughs> These are the type of individuals who look down on other people when they have discovered their sin and when they are aware of their flaw, but then they catch amnesia when it's time to consider their own resume. And these type of people are so comedic and so comical to me because they scuba dive in the spiritual, but then they snorkel in the practical. So PhD in religion, GED in extending love, PhD in church, but GED in extending grace and extending mercy and extending love. So you could memorize Psalms 119. You can speak in tongues, but you can't use that same tongue to speak to your sister. You can't use that, that same tongue to speak to your sister or speak to your brother. Where'd they do that at, though? If anybody's watching this message and you're fasting, but you're still mean, you're fasting, but you're still cussing people out. Matter of fact, you cursing people out like you a creative sailor. If you fasting and still cursing people out, go and eat. Just go and eat. Go ahead and warm you up something and go and eat because the purpose of this fast is not being implemented. It's almost as if these individuals forget and have a closed-minded reality that we all need Jesus. Is there anybody watching this message that you could drop the comment in the room? I need Jesus. I need Jesus just like the next man. And they, they are closed-minded to this reality. And the crazy thing, and one of the problems I have with closed-minded people, is they're closed-minded, but their mouth is still open. Pick a struggle. How are you going to be closed-minded, but your mouth is always open? I'm fully convinced it is better for me to keep my mouth closed and be perceived as a fool than for me to open my mouth and validate that assumption. This this, this message is not for type A. This, this, this message is not for type A. This message is for type B. It's for the rest of us who don't have any problems and don't have any issues admitting I got problems. Yep, I have some issues. I haven't made the best choices. I haven't made the best decisions. I, I haven't made the wisest choices for my life. I'm in need of Jesus just like the next man. I've made a mess of my life. I'm not the holiest one in the room. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Could you drop that comment in the room? I'm not the one. Matter of fact, I'm going to join y'all. I'm, I'm going to drop this comment in the room as well. I'm, I am not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not, I'm not the purest in the room. I'm not the holiest in the room. I have no shame and I have no problem admitting I need Jesus like the next man. I need the blood. I need the blood when I'm walking straight and I need the blood when I'm walking crooked. I need the blood when I'm on one and I need the blood when I'm seeking the one. I have no problem admitting that I need Jesus to be my all-sufficient Savior because without him, I am surely lost and lost indeed. Yeah, type A, I have no problem admitting that I need the Savior. I've made a mess of my life, but that's why I need the Messiah. Yeah, I don't let this smile fool you. I know I might look like I have it all together to you, but don't let this suit and tie fool you. I know I might look like I have it all together, but don't let this dress fool you. I know I may look like I have it all together, but don't let this hoodie fool you. I need Jesus just like I did yesterday, just like I will tomorrow, just like I do in this very moment. I recognize that I serve a God who can make me make crooked lines straight. And I'm thankful on tonight that we have a God that is a God of an interruption.
This, this message is for people that the enemy has lied to and said that that mistake was too bad and that you're too dirty and that you're too unworthy and that it's never going to happen. You're never going to get married. Your marriage is never going to improve. You're never going to be successful. This is never going to happen. The devil is a liar. And I came here on tonight to debunk the lies of the enemy. I want you to know and be reminded that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. In other words, whenever God starts a thing, it's because he already finished it. Did y'all hear what I just said? Whenever God starts a thing, it's because he already finished it. Like you're watching this message, but I know this message from the end, from the beginning. To you, this message is beginning, but I already know where we're going. I already know where this is headed. I already know where this is going to end. And just like your life, whenever God starts a thing in your life, it's because it's already been finished. God operates in reverse. I'm trying to give you some perspective. God operates in reverse. It might be starting to you, but to God, it's already been finished. This, this, this particular biblical passage, we see this young man. He's being led to the cemetery. They're taking him to the graveyard. Oh, but there's a problem. Jesus is in the vicinity. And Jesus walks in and he interrupts the funeral. And I think I need to remind somebody right now that you and I serve a God who traffics and in interruptions. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the church has done a disservice. I think the church has done a disservice. There's so many messages and so much content about him being the God who will make a way out of no way. And people shout and they knuck and buck and they thank God for that. And that's cool. It's true. But I think we need to also consider that we serve a God that will get in your way. He's the God of interruptions. Is there anybody watching this message where God has interrupted some choices you are about to make? God has interrupted some decisions. God has interrupted some relationships. If I could challenge you and change your perspective, maybe you're mislabeling it. Maybe that's not a breakup. It really was an introduction. Maybe that's not a breakup. It really was an introduction. Yeah, th this, this just introduced me to peace. This just introduced me to joy. This just introduced me to my value and it introduced me to my worth. See, when you discover your worth and you know your value, it's easy to identify people who don't. It's easy to identify people who don't. So maybe one of the reasons I keep giving in to counterfeits and maybe one of the reasons I keep falling and being deceived by this man and by this woman and by this opportunity is because if you don't know your worth, you won't be able to identify people who don't know your worth as well. But when you know your worth, you're able to identify people who don't value what you carry. Maybe you didn't lose what God had for you. You lost what was blocking what God has for you. I need to say that again. You didn't lose what God had for you. Maybe you lost what was blocking what God has for you. Jesus interrupts this funeral, and I'm thankful for messianic interruptions. I'm thankful for Damascus Road type of experience. I'm thankful for everything that I thought was dead, everything that I thought was over, everything that I thought would never happen. Jesus stepped in and stopped the funeral. So I would like to speak on tonight for a few moments to continue this World War Me series, I would like to speak from this topic, around this subject, from this thought. Don't bury me yet. Don't bury 
me yet. Don't bury me yet. Church family, we are swiftly and rapidly approaching the final chapters of this 2020 calendar year. And for a lot of us, we're like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. 2020 has been a year. And there is something that I stated at the beginning of this year, at the genesis of this year. It was a phrase that I was holding dear to my heart that I would like to bring to your attention and your remembrance on tonight. And that phrase was, you can't go with me. You, you, you can't go with me. There are certain things that I'm not going to allow transition into 2020. You can't go with me. Doubt, you can't go with me. Negative thoughts, you can't go with me. Defeated language, you can't go with me. Because I can't be kingdom and speak the language of doubt at the same time. I said we need to be able to identify what we don't want to shift with us. You can't go with me. Certain people can't go with me. Certain relationships can't go with me. And I'm not just talking about romantic. Certain communities, certain associates, certain things, certain circles, they can't go with me. Because all all relationships fall in one of these categories. It is either a divine assignment, a demonic distraction, or a treadmill. It is, it is either a divine assignment, a demonic distraction, or a treadmill. When it is a divine assignment, this is a relationship that heaven has endorsed because it pushes you to it pushes you to engage in the thing that you have been assigned to. It pushes you to walk in your purpose. It pushes you closer to the king. If there's anybody asking and you've been praying, God, is this relationship for me? Is this your will for my life? Is this what I should do? But it is not aggressively and intentionally pushing you closer and closer to enhance your relationship with God, but it's pushing you further backward and it's causing for you to compromise more and it's causing for you to start to engage in things that God would not want you to engage in. This is not a relationship that God has endorsed because God would never send you someone or something that takes you further from himself. A divine assignment. A demonic distraction is the relational context that has a warfare strategy over your concentration. This relationship is a war over your ability to focus. It causes for you to mismanage your focus. A demonic distraction and a treadmill relationship, you're not going nowhere. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how hard you push. It doesn't matter how hard you grind. It doesn't matter if you push incline. It doesn't matter if you push decline. This relationship is not going anywhere. This can't go with me. Certain relationships can't go with me. My bad attitude can't go with me. My lust can't go with me. Me not believing God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he will do. Doubt, it can't go with me. And I articulated this will be the year I believe. This will be the year I believe. And I was open and transparent and letting everybody know in November of 2019, when I understood that we would have this service, I was like, nobody's going to watch a Thursday service. Nobody's going to come to a Thursday service. Nobody's going to listen to this content. Nobody's going to watch this YouTube channel. I had all this language of doubt, and I know it was the Holy Spirit in the sanctuary vacuum and upset. He told me two words, try me. Try me. And we gave birth to that series in March of this calendar year. That series alone has reached almost over a million people. 
a million people just because I said this will be the year I believe. And I'm trying to get somebody to understand that this year is not over. I know it has been a difficult year. I know there has been things that we have not liked that happened this year, but I still believe that dream is possible. I still believe that it still could happen. I still believe that you have significance. I believe that you are forgiven. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan and purpose for your life despite your mistakes. Your mistakes are a part of the journey as well. Your mistakes are, are a part of the journey as well because we serve a type of God who traffics in making sure. He specializes in making sure that your destiny will be greater than your disaster. He interrupts the funeral. He interrupts the funeral. He interrupts the funeral. He interrupts the storm. He interrupts the story. He interrupts. And may we be people who thank God that he interrupts every single time we thought it was over. Don't bury me yet. Don't bury me yet. Can I get somebody to drop that in the comment section in all caps? Don't bury me yet. Don't, don't bury me yet. Although... Although that might be inspiring and it could be encouraging to you, I can never be one who is guilty of ministerial malpractice. Just because you say you can't go with me doesn't mean it's not going to go with you if you don't fight. There it is. Just because you say you can't go with me doesn't mean certain things aren't going to go with you if you don't fight. Yeah, it's going to take a fight. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to take a fight for you to fight for joy. Yeah, you're going to have to fight for discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to fight against fear because watch this. Fear makes you miss out on the life you could have lived. Woo! Fear makes you miss out on the life you could have lived. The lack of discipline makes you miss out on the life you could have lived. Not grinding and not pushing and not working your gift makes you miss out on the life you could have lived. I was speaking to a brother not too long ago, and I was telling him about me going fishing and invited him with me. And he was giving me all these reasons. Man, you don't want to do that because this could happen. And if you go, this could happen. And if you go, this could happen. I was like, man, come on. He said, nah, because if you go, this could happen. And this might happen. And this might happen. And this might happen. Fear's favorite words are what if. So I went anyway. I went anyway, and I was catching these big fish these big, huge redfish and these big, huge drum. And in that moment, I begin to think fear will make you miss out on what you could have had. See, fear and not starting that podcast will make you miss out on the emails that you will receive that will be from people who are telling you just because I listened to your podcast, it caused for me to change my life and my wife and I are still married today. Fear will have you not record that song so you'll never get the comment that, hey, due to this song, it has changed my perspective of worship. You'll never receive that message. Fear will make you miss out on a catch that you could have received if you would have listened to faith and not fear. The opposite of faith is not fear, is sight. We don't walk by faith, we walk by sight. And I came here on the night to let you know that it's going to be a fight. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a fight to make sure that 2020 issues don't transfer to become 2021 sequels. Yeah, it's going to be a fight. It, it, it's it's going to be a fight to make sure 
that what comforted you in 2020 and what comforted you in 2019 and what brought you comfort in 2018 and what brought you comfort in 2017, that you don't bring that on to 2021 with you because comfort zones and callings will never be romantically involved. They have two totally different love languages. And anytime God is about to level you up, he always would disturb your comfort zone. He will always disturb your comfort zone because if I try to take the comfort zone with me to each and every season of my life, if I try to take my comfort zone with me into 2021 and to 2022, I'll never experience promised land luxuries, but I'll stay stranded in wilderness economies. Yeah. I'll never experience promised land luxuries, but I'll stay stranded in wilderness economies. It's going to take a fight. And what I'm trying to get somebody to understand who's watching this message is the vision is free, but the fight is sold separately. The vision is free, but the fight is sold separately. It's a fight. It's a fight to not dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. It's a fight. It's a fight for you to believe and know that in the midst of everything that you're going through, all the trials and everything that you're facing this season, some of us feel like we've been getting L after L after L after L. It's going to be a fight for you to trust and know that you serve an all-sufficient Savior who will be with you in the midst of the turbulence. And he won't just be with you in the midst of the turbulence, but he'll call for you to step out the boat and walk on the turbulence with him so he can could show you you are a water walker so he could show you you also are a miracle worker I'm trying to convince somebody who's watching this message to look at it again look one more time what you thought was a period if you look closely you will see that's not a period that's a comma to be continued but you're gonna have to fight you're gonna have to fight to believe and I think the problem is which one are you looking at more the turbulence or the king which one are you looking at more the turbulence of the bills, the turbulence of everything you lost, the turbulence of that divorce, the turbulence of that breakup, the turbulence of that pain, the turbulence of that trauma, whichever one you look at will be the one that's magnified. A lot of us have been looking at our, our a lot of us have been looking at our turbulence for so long that you can't even see that you're growing. Because when you keep looking at turbulence, you can't see that, man, if this would have happened to me last year, I would have cussed that heifer clean out. <laughs> if this would have happened to me last year, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at all that night. If this would have happened to me last year, it would have robbed me of my peace. When you constantly keep looking at the turbulence, it will blind you to the reality that you're evolving that you're growing. It's going to be a fight. And I want you to be focused more on the king than the presence of the turbulence, because the presence of the king is greater than the presence of the turbulence. I have a four-year-old son and we were playing one day and we were having a lot of fun. And I told him, I said, okay, it's time for daddy to study. So uh, I need you to go out here with your sister, or you can go downstairs with your cousin, but daddy needs to study. And so I go into the office and I begin to study, and you guessed it, my four-year-old comes in the room, Daddy, pick me up. And I said, listen, son, that Daddy told you that he has to study. <laughs> Daddy told you that, that he has to talk to Jesus for a little bit. He said, no, 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 Daddy, pick me up. And so I'm like, hey, man, okay, look, I, I, I got your Buzz Lightyear. I got, I got your Buzz Lightyear right here. Isn't this cool? Like, why don't you take your Buzz Lightyear and go play? He's like, no, 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 I don't want Buzz Lightyear. I don't want Buzz Lightyear. 
I said, okay, all right, uh, I, I, I got your Black Panther. Wakanda forever. I, I got your Black Panther. You know how much you like your Black Panther. You asked for it, you know, not too long ago in Walmart. Here, here, take your Black Panther and go play. He said, no, 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 I don't want Black Panther. I said, okay, son, listen, man, I, daddy has to study here, here, take the iPad, you can go watch Doc McStuffins, you can go watch Spider-Man, you love Sonic, here, take the iPad and go watch that, and then he starts to cry, I don't, I don't want that, I don't want that, and I begin to recognize in that moment what I'm dealing with on Sunday, like a child, my son was saying, daddy, I, I don't want your hand, I want your presence, I don't want what you can give me, I want who you are. I, I didn't come to you from what you can give me. I came to you because of who you are. You're my father. And he said, Daddy, pick me up. And I picked him up and he fell asleep. <laughs> fell asleep in my arms. And in that moment, I was like, God, make me like this. Make me, make me like, I don't want anything else in this life besides your presence. I don't want anything else in this life besides you. I don't want anything else besides pleasing you. Daddy, pick me up. Pick me up in your grace and pick me up in your goodness and pick me, pick me up in your faithfulness and pick me up in your compassion. God, pick me up. I don't want just your hand, Father. I want your heart. I want your heart. I want your heart. And it's going to be a fight. And somebody watching this message, the reason you don't have joy and the reason you can't rejoice and the reason you believe it's over is because you're looking more at the turbulence. You've allowed yourself to be buried underneath the soil of disbelief than looking at the king who's with you in the midst of your turbulence. Jesus has left Capernaum. He left Capernaum and he's arriving to the city of Nain. His disciples are with him. The crowds are with him. Everybody is in high expectation on what the king of glory is about to do. What is Jesus about to do now? And as he's approaching the city gate, he sees a funeral service that's underway. And this widow is faced with this difficult position of burying her only son. Burying her only son, but she doesn't know that a resurrector is in the vicinity. <laughs> a resurrector, I'm trying to maintain myself. A resurrector is in the vicinity. I think one of the most beautiful things that we have as believers, one of the most beautiful things that we have as Christ followers is that through anything that we're facing, through all of our hardships, we have I am in the vicinity. So this may look bad, but I am could change it. This may look difficult, but I am could change it. I feel like being churchy, y'all. I knew, I know I'm new school, but I grew up old school. <laughs> and if I could call to the witness stand, the woman with the issue of blood, she would tell you, oh, it's good to be in the vicinity when the king is moving. If I could call blind Bartimaeus to the witness, witness stand, he would tell you he preaching good because it's good to be in the vicinity when the king is moving. If I could call Zacchaeus, to the witness stand. He would tell you it's good to be in the vicinity when the king is moving. This is why I have to be in a community. I have to be in a church. I have to be in an atmosphere that gives glory to the king because I want to be in a place where the king is moving because if the king is moving, then I'm going to be moved and we could be a movement. This woman had no idea in, in, in this difficult place and this difficult position that she was in, she had no idea that this pain place was about to shift to a praise place. She had no idea that what she thought was over 
really just had a comma. She had no idea when she sent out the letters and when she made the funeral service programs and she was informing everybody about the service and the burial, she had no idea that what would be a funeral service would then change to be a resurrection party. She had no idea. And I wonder who's watching this message. You have forgotten that God can shift your pain place into a praise place. And what I love the most about this particular text is what happens in verse 14. In verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus touches the coffin and everybody stands still. Jesus touches the coffin and everybody stood still. One more time. Jesus touches the coffin and everybody stands still. Is there anybody thankful for the things in your life that God has said Pause. Y'all, I'm trying to get through this message, man, but I'm so excited. Is there anybody listening to this message that God has pressed pause on some things in your life? It reminds me of another story in the Bible when Joshua knew that he needed to be victorious and he needed the sun to pause in his place. And God said, pause. I'm thankful for the times that I was about to go to somebody's dorm room in college, but God said, pause. Somebody watching this message, you were about to marry a life wrecker, but God said, pause. You were on an abortion table about to abort the beautiful child that you have now, but God said, pause. Somebody had an abortion and the enemy tried to convince you to commit suicide, but God said, pause. Things that I thought wasn't going to go my way and it was looking like all walls were closing on me and all things were coming against me and I would lose my house and I would lose my car, but some way and somehow the king of glory said, pause. Is there anybody thankful that God holds the control on your life. There's certain things that he can say pause to. We thought that making that unwise decision, we thought that making that bad choice would mess up everything for our future. But God knows how to rewind and restore the years that the canker worm has stolen. That doesn't mean that God is going to give you more time. It just means that what God can do with the time that you have now, what God can do with the faith that you have now, what God can do with the outlook that you have now. So many people send my wife and I so many messages and they say, man, if I would have heard this two years ago and if I would have heard this three years ago and if I would have heard this seven weeks ago, I wouldn't be in the situation that I am now. But I want you to know what if it took for that? What if it took for you to go through that so that you can get here? Because sometimes God uses that to cause for you to have a prayer life. Sometimes God uses that. That cause Causes you to seek his face. All things work together, and this mother thought it was over, but the king of glory said, Pause. Can I get somebody to drop the comment in the room? Pause. 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 So there's just three points I want to share with you on the night, and I can't wait for you guys to join me on Sunday as we start the conversation as a child. But the three points that I want to share with you on the night. Point number one, I'm not an accident, I'm assigned. I'm not an accident, I'm assigned. Every single step of my life has been ordered. Even the things that I'm not proud of. Even the things that I'm not happy about. I've shared it before. Abraham was running out of patience with God. God gave him a promise, and then Abraham felt as though it was a problem because God was taking too long. And so he went out and created his own Ishmael. 
And I told you many times before, your Ishmael mistake does not disqualify, disqualify you from your Isaac promise. But the Ishmaelites were the same transportational system that got Joseph over in Egypt to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. All of our mistakes work together. The place that I'm at, what if it's not by accident? What if it's by providence? I'm not an accident. I'm assigned. Point number two, I'm not buried. I'm planted. If you are the seed of the righteous, you grow when people throw dirt at you. If you're the seed of the righteous, you grow when people throw dirt at you. And when you go through storms, those are all the necessary ingredients for me to grow. The reason why some people, the reason why some people benefit from storms and other people don't is because they don't have nothing planted. When God has you planted in a place, when God has you planted in a thing, the storm is not a storm, it's actually watering. I'm not buried, I'm planted. We grow from stuff like this. We become from stuff like this. We evolve from stuff like this. I'm trying to get you to see that whatever you were carrying to the graveyard, whatever you were carrying to the cemetery that you thought was over, it's not over. It's not over. And last point, I'm not done, I've just begun. I'm not done, I've just begun. A lot of things that happened this year, just be honest, it's been messed up. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Why is all of this happening? And I, and I ran across the scripture and it encouraged my soul so much. And I said, you know, in, in the midst of Houston being flooded, in the midst of Tropical Storm Beta, I want to encourage the people I want to encourage the people to look at it from a different perspective. Don't bury me yet because there's a resurrector in the vicinity. That marriage that you thought was over, God can resurrect it. That business that you thought was over, God can resurrect it. That career that you thought was over, God can resurrect it. And I want you to put on a different lens. Which one are you focusing on more? The turbulence or the king? What have you gave up on? What have you written off as it'll never happen? What have you written out the service plans? What have you given up on? What have you written off as if it'll never happen? And maybe, maybe just one of the things that I'm trying to get you to see is this is not a period. This is a comma, which means to be continued. I thank you guys so much for praying for us and for encouraging us through this difficult time of flooding in our city. And I pray that you join me on Sunday as we deal with this message like a child. There's so many things that I believe God wants us to strip off so that we can get back to the original form of ourselves. Father, help us to be individuals who can look again. Help us to be individuals, O oh God, that could see the king in the midst of the turbulence. And just like this woman, we pray all of our tears, all of the pain, all of the difficulty, all of the hopelessness, everything that we've gone through that we feel is over, everything that we've gone through that we feel has taken a piece of us and we can't recover. Let us be reminded that there's a resurrector in the vicinity. There's a resurrector in the vicinity. And just like for this young boy, you stepped in the funeral service, interrupted the funeral service. Would you invade our lives? 
Would you interrupt our relationships? Would you interrupt our schedule? Will you interrupt our world so that we can focus on you again, so that we can believe again? Resurrect our faith, God. Resurrect our joy. Resurrect our belief so we can be the ambassadors for the kingdom that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.